Amen. Of all the days in the church calendar, this one is the best. It just is. It is the day that uh, we get to smile bigger and we get to hope more. And I, and I know not everyone comes in on an Easter Sunday feeling like celebrating. That's one of the great things about the calendar year and, and having a gathering every week is we'll have Sundays where we come in and we feel everything is going right and we feel a connection. We feel it because our emotions are tricksy things, aren't they, my precious? They're tricksy. They, they deceive us and they're mischievous. And some days we feel really close to God. Other days we come in on weeks where it just hurts. And sometimes, and I've seen some of you, almost have to drag yourself through those doors. And I commend you on those Sundays more than any other when you come in, not because you want to, not because you feel right with the Lord, but because you have to be in a place where his people are gathered and where his presence is. It's almost like we're that, uh, that woman uh, that came to Jesus and asked for a healing and uh, Jesus uh, you know, kind of draws this out and says, I- I've come for the children of Israel. Am I to give the dogs the bread for the kids? And you think it's a real mean statement by Jesus, but it's not because he, he knows what's about to happen. And she says, oh Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. And this woman now becomes to all the children of Israel around a huge example of faith, right? And you see that constantly in the Bible. Jesus using the wrong instruments in the world's eyes. I'm going to use the, the instruments that nobody else is going to use, the broken people, the lost, the unclean people. I'm going to use them as examples of faith, as examples of desperate hope as examples of people that are willing to follow no matter the cost. But she says, even they get scraps from the table and sometimes you've come in and you're just looking for a, for a scrap. But this Sunday is the Sunday where we remember that we are not just sinners saved by grace. You see, I think it brings God more honor when we think of ourselves not just as sinners saved by grace, but also heirs of the king. Do you see the the shift there? This isn't just a place where we come in, get forgiven, and wait till we die to get restored. This is a place where we come in and the blood of Jesus washes us clean Okay, but it washes us clean for a purpose, for a meaning. It washes us clean so that we might remember who God created us to be. Heirs of the king, sons and daughters of God. I've, uh, oh, that's not right. Where's my slides? There we go. Bloop. How about that? I, I, I won't say this was my thought because it's not. I can't remember where I heard it, though. 
I will say that this is kind of like um, uh, every so often I get things and they get stuck in my craw. I love that phrase. Or, or maybe I would say it's like uh, when you cut the roof of your mouth. You know, you ever done that? You cut the roof of your mouth and it just never heals because you can't stop tonguing it and it just won't go away and it drives you crazy. You with me? Okay. It's, it's like a burr in my saddle. I'm trying to think of all these good phrases here, folks. You know? Here's the thing. I heard this and it won't leave me that I expect too much from others and not enough from God. That's what this Sunday is about, being reminded that we don't expect enough from God. Now, I don't mean this in a bad way, like God's our genie in the bottle. Oh, no, 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 not that at all. God's not there to just answer all my wishes or do whatever I want, but hear me on this. Our God is a God of the impossible. And I think the people of God for too long have settled for a God of the most likely rather than a God of the impossible. See, the, the disciples understood this because they lived in a, in a most likely and then in a not gonna happen. They lived up until the Passion Week and even until Friday in the most likely. Most likely, Jesus is going to claim the kingdom now. Most likely, he's going to show his Messiahship. But when the cross came and their hopes were shattered, it was all gone. It was all gone dead and buried because they didn't get it. They heard with their ears, but they weren't really listening because Jesus had told them time and time again. Anybody ever read the New Testament, read the uh, conversations between Jesus and his crew, and he says, the Son of Man must be handed over in the hands of sinful men. He's going to die in three days. He's I mean, it's plain as day. How did these guys miss it, right? I mean, seriously, you know what's going to happen. It's like the Avengers movie. You know, half the universe is wiped out, but you know they're going to get brought back because Black Panther can't stay dead. I mean, there's too much cha-ching in Wakanda to get... I'm, okay, I alienated probably half of the church with that one, okay? But the younger half, they get me. You know what's going to happen in Endgame. They're going to come back. How did the disciples miss this? Folks, we're no different we listen, but we don't hear. We listen to a God of the impossible, but we believe in a God of the probable, most likely, a God of the, I just want a safe, contented life. I just want to squeak by. I'm not asking for publisher's clearinghouse, Lord. Just enough. How much is enough, by the way? Well, just a little more, right? I mean, we, we want the, the God of the probable and the most likely, but that is not the God of, of Jesus. That is not who he is. He's, he's not the God that swooned on the cross and, and then, you know, kind of groggily came out of the tomb. He's the God that took our sin and shame and guilt to the cross and it died with him. He is the God that on every page of the word says to us, I love you, I care, I will walk into hell for you. That is the God that we serve. That is the real one. 
the God of the impossible. The God that can do something as amazing as resurrect a body, hey, that's cool. How much more to change the human heart? To replace hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. The problem is, when you look at the three greatest things in the universe, faith, hope, and love, Bible says that, says three greatest things in the universe, faith, hope, and love. Our problem with those three concepts is misdirection. My faith is not in God alone. That's where disappointment comes in. When I put my faith in something other than God, when I put it in a person, hey, guess what? They're going to disappoint you. I mean, how did you miss that in the story? They're going to let you down. Why would you expect anything different? People are going to disappoint you. When you put your faith in money, hey, guess, wow, you know, seriously. It's going to disappoint you. Thank you. Money will not satisfy. You'll never have enough. And the reality is you're going to lose it all anyway. At some point, you know, it's all going to be taken one way or the other. There is no true security in money. It's an illusion doesn't really exist. You put your faith in your own abilities, maybe in your mental faculties, uh, your charisma, your maybe like me, striking good looks, you know. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Wherever your faith is, if it's not in Jesus, if it's not in the God of the impossible, then it will disappoint you. Likewise, your, your love your love. We, we like the world's idea of love, which is we love people and things for the things and the way they love us back. This is what kills marriages, by the way. When, when people get to that place, when they, when they start a marriage uh, you know, with the idea of, I will love this person because they love me. I, I'm going to love this person because they make me a better person. I'm a better person when I'm with them. You complete me. Hey, these are all great things. You can sell a lot of books and, and make a lot of movies with great, sweet, sappy Valentine's Day card statements like this. The problem is they're toxic lies. Because if you love a person only because of the way they love you back, what happens when they don't? What happens when you realize like everyone in relationships do, you know, it's kind of the, the shopping for a car thing. You go and you, you get this car and you think you got a great car, but what happens when you drive it around for a while? Then you realize, hey, this car has problems. This car's got issues. This car has had some trauma in its life. This car's not loving me the way I'm trying to love it. Of course, the reality is you're not taking good care of your car. Anyway, we, the metaphor goes on and on. When we love things and people for the way they love us back, well, you, you get the flaw in the faith and the flaw in the love and then the flaw in the hope. I mean, really, let's, let's be honest, folks. What hope is there in this world G.K. Chesterton called uh, the depravity of man the only scientifically and historically provable doctrine of the church. In other words, it is tangible evidence that we are depraved, that we are a broken 
people. 138 of our brothers and sisters lost their life today due to suicide bombings in Sri Lanka. I mean, it was intentional. People targeting Christian churches because they knew it was a day when there were a lot of people there and they went in and blew themselves up. I think 400 plus, is that right, anybody? Injured? Two, 200 died or 100? 200 dead and... Folks, we are a broken world. What hope is there? <laughs> I'm laughing because I can hardly even get it out of my mouth without laughter. Are you, is your hope in government? Is your hope in the next presidential election? I don't care who's elected. You know, seriously, 2020 monkey. He'll do a better job. So there we go. Is your hope in that... Where is your hope for the future? Where's your hope for now? Forget about just the future. How about the hope for today, right? Well, folks, that's what today is for. It's to remind the children of God, the sons and daughters, it's to remind us of our faith in an impossible God, of our love that doesn't come from us. It comes because he first loved us. All the love I have to give is secondhand. Think about that. All the love you have is always secondhand. It comes from somewhere else. It comes from someone else. This is the day that reminds us that our hope is not a static thing. It's not hope for a certain point in the future. This isn't just fire insurance. Our hope is a living hope, a living and active anchor for our soul for today, for right now, for whatever circumstance and situation you are in. And you say, TJ, you don't know what I'm in. You don't know what I'm going through. You say, I absolutely, you're correct. I don't. I don't know where you've been. I don't know the brokenness in your life. I don't know how hard it is in your relationships. I know how hard it is in mine. I know the hurt in me. I don't know the hurt in you, but I know someone who does. And I know that our God of the impossible is a God worthy of our hope. Uh, all right, let's get to some good text. I want to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You see the page number up there. It says 1 Thessalonians 4, 5, because I want to dribble in to 5. Actually, we'll start at 5. I'll, I'll do an audible here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It might be on the next page, like 3 or 8 to 37 rather than 8 to 36. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you, for you know very well the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. They will not escape. I always, I, I never laugh at this, at least not uh, in earshot of my wife, because um, no man should ever giggle when it comes to labor pains. But it's, it's amazing in the four kids that my beloved has had, wonderfully so, there, there's like this point in the labor pains where I think she has like this, 
you know, I really don't want to do this. In fact, I've, I've heard her say this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. You know, I'm like, honey, I'm sorry. The roller coaster's going down. There's no stopping it, you know. <laughs> Folks, th- th- there's a day coming w- when it's going to all be done. And none of us knows that day. And, and I realize that Paul is talking to the church in Thessalonica here about the day when Christ comes back, the rider on the white horse, everything made right. I know he's talking about that big day. Guess what, folks? If, if he tarries, I love that old church word, tarries. If he waits, every one of us is going to have that day anyway. Every one of us is going to have a day where we breathe our last and our eyes glaze over. And Todd Snyder starts to talk to our family, right? Every day, that day is coming. That day is coming. Every step, one step closer. Where's your hope? Where's your faith? But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You see, this is that hope. We don't know the day, but the question is, how would you face that day? When you face that day, when it comes, how will you face it? Will you face it with a, oh, yes, it is so good to see you? Or or will it be in terror? Will it be in regret? Will it be in regret for all the loss, the loss that was never recovered? Will it be in fear for all the things that you now have to answer for? You, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light, children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be alert and self-control. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on, listen to this, faith, and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Encourage one another and build one another up, just as in fact you are doing. Now, there's a lot here. I want to focus on one little thing, and then we'll go and we'll celebrate the rest of the day. Did you see there in verse 10, he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Did you catch that? Whether we are awake or asleep, and asleep here is a nice way of saying you're dead, right? Whether you are alive or dead, we live with Christ. It is a present now. Now, I'm looking out on all my brothers and sisters in the tribe, and I see a few of you could probably pass for dead, but I know you're not, okay? I know you're not. So I think this, I'll just say, it will not worry about those that have fallen asleep And let's speak to those who are awake. And let's say, folks, we are made to live with Christ in the here and the now. We have been living like paupers. 
when we are sons and daughters of the king. I think it brings God great honor when we think of ourselves not only as sinners saved by grace, which we are, but we are more than that. We are heirs of the king. What this means is, this means believing God's words that we are precious in his sight, even when we don't feel we are. Believing God's words that we are precious in his sight, even when we don't feel, even when we don't believe we are. That is a special, special kind of humility. It is a special kind of faith. It is receiving a deep love. That, brothers and sisters, is a living hope. Whether awake or asleep, we live with Jesus. And, and hear me on this, folks. Just think of this like a little kid in the most practical terms. I mean, if you could walk next to the physical Lord, I mean, how crazy would that be? Can you imagine how awesome that would be? I mean, it'd be really scary in some ways, you know, a little frightening, very humbling. But to walk next to Jesus, I think, you know, that's amazing because I wouldn't have to be afraid of anything. You wouldn't have to worry or be afraid of it. I mean, you know, you're, you're traveling along, you're on Route 66, you know, in the middle of Kansas, there's no gas stations. You don't need to worry. He can change the water into gas. You know, you, you missed the last McDonald's. Hey, you know about the fish and the loaves, right? You, you start to feel queasy. You think you're getting sick. Jesus is right there. He's your healing. And, and even more than that, you know, the, the enemy starts to give you those lies and, and tell you who you're not and, and poison the relationships around you. Jesus is there to say, okay, let me fix this relationship. Let me tell you what's really going on. And, and you know, let me tell you who you really are. Let me speak truth into you now. Let me declare truth over you. Imagine how amazing it would be to physically walk with Jesus, now imagine how amazing it is right now that his spirit lives inside of us. Man, if we could just get that, church, if we could believe that, church, if we could wrap our fallible, broken brains around his love for us, man, that would change everything. It, it, makes, it makes it difficult and uncomfortable. It really does because it starts to kick away all the crutches in our life. You see, I use bitterness and regret and disappointment as crutches, as excuses. Well, Lord, it's hard for me to love that person because, let me give you a laundry list. It's hard for me to forgive because, let me give you a laundry list. It's hard for me to trust you with my finances, Lord, because, let me give you a laundry list. Let me give you excuses. If you really believe that the spirit of Christ is in you, and that's the spirit of the impossible, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in and inside of you, guess what? You no longer have excuses. If there is unforgiveness in your heart, that's on you. If there's bitterness in your heart, 
that's on you. If you're disappointed with your place in life, well, that's totally on you and it's very disrespectful because God puts you where you are. And because even if you say, no, no, TJ, I did this, my consequences, my actions, I'm here because of me. Okay, fine, I'll let it slide. We can argue angels on the head of a pin later, theological issues. Okay, fine. So let him redeem it. Jesus says, I will raise any situation you've got out of the grave. I will resurrect anything in your life. I will give purpose and meaning. It's a promise he made in Romans that God works all things for the good. All things for the good. No excuses. My brothers and sisters, no excuses. How great would it be to live believing in the God of the impossible. Now, here's the thing. He is the God of the impossible whether we believe it or not. It's the old adage of you can, you can go to the beach and say, I don't believe in the ocean, but when you walk in the tide, you're going to get wet. Right? I mean, it's insanity, but it's true. You don't change reality just because you want to believe it and make it so. I realize the world we live in, oh, baby, is it nuts, right? But guess what? You can say one thing and believe it all day long, it doesn't change real. God is the God of the impossible, whether you believe it or not. And he is doing impossible things, whether you believe it or not. He invites you to open your eyes. It's one of those things he loves to do in the scriptures time and time again. It's, it's you know, I don't know if like, just like there was a blindness epidemic in, Jerusalem, in Israel, which there was, spiritual blindness. But I mean, time and time again, the apostles just love to write down stories of how Jesus is opening the eyes of the blind. Folks, he wants to open our eyes today to what's going on all around us because impossible things are happening. Sometimes they are so glaringly impossible that you would have to be in a cave on Mars with your fingers in your ears and your eyes screwed shut to miss it. A story was told to me just this morning. You sure you, you want me to tell it, Mike? Okay. It's his story. It's Mike Trumpower's story, but I'm going to tell it. Because he came to me and he said, I got an Easter story for you. So, oh, I got to hear this. And uh, Mike starts telling me the story and I'm just like, oh, snap. See, Mike has a brother, actually has a lot of brothers. But anyway, he's got a brother, and his brother's got a wife. Uh, Bonnie? Bonnie? What is it? Brooke. Brooke. So Brooke works at um, a hospital in the area. I'm, I'm going to try and make it not too specific, but it's such a good story. She works third shift in the ER. That's a, that's a rough shift to work because people that come to the ER... 90% of the time, no one's glad to be in the ER, right? But when they're at the ER on the third shift, that's even a harder shift. I'm sorry, it just is. Because you get the real bad ones, the real crazies. And you literally go from, you know, you might have nothing to boom in a moment's notice. Nevertheless, there's Brooke, and she's working at this ER, and she's talking to a good friend of hers, a contemporary, and she's telling her, talking to her about Jesus, talking about the Bible. 
And God has an amazing way of doing this if we are open to his leading. Did you hear me qualify that? Because for a long time, the church has done a really bad job of presenting Jesus. We don't listen to the Spirit. We follow our own guts or what we want to do, how it's convenient for us, and we end up screwing things up. And it doesn't make Jesus look good. It makes us and him look bad. So when you talk to somebody about Jesus, you pray and you say, Spirit, how how do you want me to do it? How do you want me to share Jesus with this person? Well, when you do it right and the Spirit moves, then amazing things happen. People start to open up. They will. It's just, it, ha- it happens all the time. You share Jesus in the right way. People love, people honestly love to talk religion when it's done in the right way. It's when it's done wrong. Okay, sorry, soapbox. Anyway, back on track. So there's Brooke and she's talking to this woman about Jesus. And the woman opens up and she says, you know, I, I never went to church, wasn't very religious. I've had kind of a hard life. When I was 18 years old, I was raped um, and I got pregnant as a result of that. I'm 18 years old. I don't know what to do. So I, I gave my uh, baby up for adoption. And um, she said it was a closed adoption. And so I didn't know. All, all I knew was the baby was going to Finley. And I, I just asked as part of the adoption that I would get to, to give her a name, either the first name or the second name of this baby, and that was part of the agreement, and so the baby got adopted, and that was it, and so this woman is, is telling her this, this trauma that happened in her life, this grief, and Brooke's listening, and just hearts breaking for her, and, and everything. Two, two days later, they get a new hire on the third shift in the ER at this hospital, and it's a young girl, or ish, middle-aged, and what does Brooke do? Brooke starts to share Jesus with this new hire. And the new hire says, you know, I, I didn't really went to church, didn't you know, know anything. I've, I've kind of had a hard life. I was adopted when I was a baby, grew up in Finley, and now I'm here. And, and of course, you know, these two people are over here in completely separate lives, even though they're in the same work environment, same shift, same hospital, right? Same profession, or tangentially anyway. I guess. But there's Brooke, and Brooke's putting the dots together. You know why? Because Brooke believes in a God of the impossible. And so Brooke goes back to the lady and, you know, what was the name that you gave this girl? And she said, I ask that her name, either the first name or the second name, would be Hope. And Brooke, and it's, well, Brooke says, you know, this woman's name, the first name is not Hope, so... But she asked her, what's, you know, later goes to her, what's your second name? Guess what? It's Hope. I mean, it, you, you hear this? And it was. That was the adopted daughter reunited with her biological mother. I mean, how nuts is that? I'm just saying. That's one of those. You have to be in a cave on Mars with your fingers in your ears and your eyes screwed shut to miss it. But hear me on this, people church, our God is the God of the impossible, and it's happening all the time, all around us. We need eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are willing to say, God, I'm sick and tired of choosing bitterness and disappointment in my life. Because because sons and daughters of God, again, if there is a brokenness in your life, it's not on God. It's because you won't let it go. And you say, TJ, it's hard. I say, yes, it is. 
You say, TJ, you don't know. I say, no, I don't. I just know we serve a God of the impossible. A God that says, when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. He doesn't free you halfway. So if you're still wearing chains, it's because you've gone back to the cross, picked them up, and walked out with them. And that's on you. But hear me on this, folks, because this is Resurrection Sunday, and this is good stuff. Our God is a God of the impossible. He is kind and he is gentle. And so, uh, Good Friday, we had a service where we we laid burdens. We had this uh, old pine coffin up here at the front. And the idea was we're burying our burdens with Jesus because Jesus takes our burdens and he buries them. Now, I get it. We got a lot of grave robbers in this room, okay? I'll bury my burdens with Christ and then I'll sneak back in, dig them up, right? I'll get my burdens back and I'll carry them again. But you know what? He's still there to take it back into the grave. And I said on Friday, you know what? If you go and you lay this down and then you end up picking it back up, that's okay. Because every time you do it, every time you make a declaration against the enemy, every time you declare the sovereignty of God over your life, every time you say, Lord, I'm sick and tired of this addiction, I'm sick and tired of this brokenness, this sickness in my heart, this sickness in my relationships, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, Lord. Every time you do that is one step closer to the day when you will lay it down forever. Every time you lay it down is one day closer to the time when you will lay it down forever. And I say that with utter confidence because the sons and the daughters of God were made to live in victory. We move from a place of victory. It happened in the tomb. It happened at the cross. When Jesus Christ rose again, he rose in victory. And that's who we serve. So we are going to sing one more song of triumph and hope. And after we do, you're dismissed to go enjoy the rest of this day. But I ask you this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, because there is no better day. Do you need Jesus? Do you need renewal? Do you need that new wine? Do you need to lay something down? Because God has given you the power to do that. God has given you the ability to choose him. God has given you the ability to say no more to the enemy. God has given you faith. God has given you hope. And God has given you all the love. Let's pray and then we'll sing. Father God, We have come gathered in the name of Jesus to rejoice over you, Lord, the God of the impossible. Father, I know there are people even now that are hearing that you are the God of the impossible. You're saying, but what about this? But what about that? Lord, speak to those circumstances. Speak to those situations. Speak to those relationships. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Because, Father, I've I've learned, God, it's not about changing my circumstances. It's about changing me. So Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Mighty Father, that you would come and you would change our hearts. That you would take our hearts of stone and give us, Father, hearts of flesh. Father, I speak the name of Jesus over every relationship difficulty here. 
over physical illness, over financial difficulty. I speak it over marriages that are on the rocks. I speak it over hearts that are depressed and anxious. I speak it over any and every lie of the enemy that would tell us that we are something we are not. I would speak it over bitterness and disappointment and anything else that we cling to, that we cling to, that causes division and strife. God, I don't know where you're taking us, but it's amazing. And we trust your love. So Lord, we sing to you this morning, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, And we praise you, Father, in his name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, folks. Let's stand and sing.